Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1050. You are the expert you believe yourself to be. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, David Mulbaum. Hey, David, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. All right. David Mulbaum has been covering cars and car maintenance for Kiplinger.com and Kiplinger's personal finance magazine since 2012. Inspired when he was a boy by writers including PJ O'Rourke and David E. Davis, David was bit by the car bug long ago, and that infection remains today. He's a designated car guy at Kiplinger's personal finance publication. He writes consumer-focused information that is useful to people who see cars as simply expensive appliances, shame on them, but in a way that is still amusing to those of us aficionados and enthusiasts. Kiplinger's approach to automotive content is this, how can we help you save money? David's passion for cars goes way back to his first two words, which were away, away. We think that's baby talk for wheels. So here we go. David, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for automobiles? Yeah, I am, as you said, a a lifelong car nut. And it's only been reasonably recently that I've been able to essentially indulge that in my career by writing about cars. Uh, I've written about all kinds of other stuff involving taxes and other angles of personal finance, but cars sort of always in the back of my mind, I mean, always have been the thing that uh, I've been interested in. And and while, as you know, we talked about, the, the I'm somewhat constrained because I'm doing consumer advice and, you know, you got to keep it simple and straightforward and money saving. I still feel like I can bring a little bit of, to bear of my, my passion for cars. Yeah, absolutely. I know that you do. And uh, we were talking in a pre-show talk, David and I, about some early cars we've had. And we share a car that we're going to hear about a little bit later, an old Carmen Ghia. So I'm looking forward to that one, having had one of those cars when I was a kid. Well, as we continue on your journey, David, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, David, take the wheel. Well, I would say it is, you are the expert you believe yourself to be. I know that sounds a a little funny and a little bit pompous. I guess I'm not really a mantra guy, but it reflects a moment I had when I first started writing about cars here at Kiplinger. Basically, one of my editors handed back a piece to me that I'd done. It was about how to make your car go 200,000 miles. And his main point was, you know, says who? Says you? Well, you got to go out and source this stuff, uh, just like, you know, I would if I were writing about other things. Well, I mean, there's certainly nothing wrong with reporting. <laughs> so, you know, I did the reporter thing and I went out there digging for people who were independent uh, experts, you know, just as I were, just as if I were writing about investments or taxes or something else I might have been doing. It was curiously difficult, harder than the other fields I'd been covering. I mean, for one thing, I hadn't discovered your podcast uh, reading through. You've got a lot of interesting, knowledgeable people yes. there. And I, I, 
some of whom I may be following up with in the future. <laughs> and most likely, yeah, they're a great group of inspiring automotive enthusiasts, that's for sure. And now you're an alumni, so you're right. part of the gang here. Well, it's an honor. Um, and some, also in some other cases, I, yeah, yeah, frankly, I wasn't that impressed. I mean, not by your people, by the people I spoke to in my reporting. I mean, some of the people I spoke to had a, you know, a lot of weird or outdated inform- information, or they just had a product to sell. And so essentially, this process made me realize that I am qualified to make judgments about car stuff. I have the essentially the, the lifetime obsession, and I've read about it. I've studied it. I've done it with my own hands. I, okay, so my degree is in American literature, but you know what? I think I know it. Yeah, most likely. Well, you're right, because when you think about that, how to make your car go 200,000 miles, there are so many different things that could apply to that. And a lot of it that you don't know is being applied to the car, the way people drive. Um, Obviously, care is a key answer to that question. And maintenance is the other key thing. A lot of people skip maintenance. They just don't do it. But I think a lot of us who are car people, we understand how cars work, how engines work, and what's most important to keep them going, you know, as long as they can can last. And some cars just aren't that great, and they might not go that far to begin with. So interesting story. I like that. Well, did it all end up okay at the end? Uh, it did. You know, actually, what you're talking about, getting people who aren't car people to, to some extent, be car people or at least pay attention. I just published something recently called Six uh car accessories that everyone should have. I, I had a somewhat less polite title for it but <laughs> that we didn't <laughs> use. But the idea was basically, I, I have some friends who are kind of recalcitrant and I'm like, you know, you've got to do X, you got to do Y. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And the idea was to essentially get people who aren't car people, people who are not going to go to the car parts store, who can barely be bothered to wash their car, to realize that there are certain things you should do or should buy or should care about because Let's face it, they're going to save you money. So coming at it from the point of not like, hey, you know, your car's really nice. You know, you actually have a nice car. Why don't you take care of it? La, 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 shaming them. The idea was, look, we're going to save you some money. Don't you want to save money? Everyone wants to save money. (laughs) Yes, yes. Everybody loves to save money. Yeah. And it goes back to that maintenance schedule almost all the time. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about tires coming up here too, but uh, that's one of the things when I, I see nice cars and you look at their tires and you go, seriously, uh, you needed new tires about six months ago. It's the first thing I look at. It, it, it's like looking, you know how people look at people's shoes and you know are judgy about that? I, I look at tires. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, and it's so important too, absolutely to safety and everything else. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that shared your passion for cars. I shared that little story about you and your first words. I think that was cute, but I would like to know more about a pivotal moment in your life that you can remember when you knew you were going to be a car. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I think I was, as as I say, born this way, but that was my first word or close to it. But while I was certainly indulged with plenty of toy cars and, and plastic model kits, car culture was just not a thing for my European-born parents, nor where I grew up. And it wasn't there. It wasn't a thing that was at the front. It wasn't the thing that my parents' peers did. They weren't into cars. They didn't work in the car field. Uh, You know, I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. You're a long way from uh, Detroit. Anyway, but I was still a, a car nut through and through. So I guess this is my proof. When I was like eight years old or so, I was walking around Amsterdam with uh, some of my, my cousins. I proved to them that I could identify the cars blindfolded. We improvised some kind of blindfold, and there I went, and I ran my hands over the car and said, 
a Renault 4 or, you know, Citroën DS. That's really easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, some were harder. Uh, after about, you know, 10 or 12 or so, they were convinced. And I mean, my hands were filthy. Amsterdam, of Amsterdam in the 80s was not a clean place. Uh, one of my treasured possessions from that trip actually was a, a book. It was basically like a buyer's guide for European car shoppers. And I, I you know, I sat there and <laughs> I memorized top speeds and kilometers per hour. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. I've had a lot of guests who said, oh, when I was three, four, five, six, seven, eight years old, I could identify cars by their headlights or their wheels. You're the first one that did it by Braille. Uh, <laughs> that is absolutely fascinating to me, the fact that you could tell what a car was by just putting your hands on it. Yeah. That tells me you were a quintessential car guy in the making, for sure. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you faced along the way. I'd love for you to share one of these stories because this is how we learn valuable lessons. So tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career. Well, I, 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 we're going to get to the Gia. Um, ah, my first, yes. <laughs> my first and really only purchase of an, a truly interesting car was, it was pretty much a failure. In the, it was in the early 90s, and I, I got rid of the Mercury Lynx that my parents had given me. God, that was a terrible car. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I bought a 1974 VW Carmen Gia Coupe at a gas station uh, where I was living at the time. And pretty much everything I did with this purchase was wrong. I let the low asking price of $1,000 blind me to several warning signs. I bought it from a third party rather than the owner. I mean, the title had already been signed. God only knows. It turned out to be okay, but don't do that. I didn't take it to my own mechanic before buying it. There was fresh paint in the footwells, and plus, I had already sold the Lynx. Uh, bad as it was, it ran better than the Gia, which I made my only set of wheels, and this was hardly a car I could rely on. That was the summer I became a committed bicycle commuter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no doubt. Well, those are valuable lessons when you're a kid or an adult, but you you just hit on some really golden nuggets for people out there listening that, that uh, maybe are younger and haven't bought their first car yet. And you know what I always tell people is bring a trusted car buddy along and tell them, before we get there, your job is to talk me out of this car. Point out everything that's wrong. So I'm assuming you didn't have anybody with you. Either. No, I did not have a wingman. And that's a very good point. I often try to provide that function for my friends and to some extent try to perform that function through the content I created, Kiplinger.com, is to be that informed wingman to go, eh, mm, did you see that? Did you notice that? Do, are you sure you're doing X, Y, and Z? The, yeah. the processes, you know, the right things to do when you're in the process of buying a, a car. <laughs> but it was a well, learning experience. Um, you know, at the risk of going into grumpy old man phase, the process of, of buying that car and then restoring it made me realize how dramatically the internet has changed the experience of car ownership. I mean, in particular, the process of owning, maintaining, and restoring an interesting car. When I was restoring, well, restoring is an exaggeration. When I was keeping that gear alive enough to get me around. My resources were the, the Bentley manual on paper, uh, the book, How to Keep Your Volkswagen Alive, a step-by-step -step of procedures for the complete idiot. Oh, yes. Do, I, I still know. have mine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Still have it. Yep. It's a very period piece. And, uh, and, like the, and this little paper catalog that I figured out how to write away for that had a bunch of Carmen parts. It didn't actually have the prices in it because that changed. You know, you had to call the guy to find out where the price was for the thing. So because the Carmen, as as you well know, had this very basic VW 
sort of infrastructure. That was all very simple, and the parts were dirt cheap. But then the actual trim parts were weird and exotic and made in Italy and hard to come by and expensive. Nowadays, with the internet, every mark and model, there's a community of people who have your car, and they know a lot about it, and they've published how-tos and facts with pictures. It's all online. It's, it's as close as your screen. I mean, I know not all, not all the information is good. You know, there are lots of jokes about YouTube technicians, but at least it's there. And, and <laughs> if you wade through it, you can make yourself that expert. Yeah, exactly. You know, the cool thing today, because I always say pictures, everything looks really good in a picture. Uh, but when you get it up close, and I've had friends who bought cars from pictures, and when they arrive, you kind of go, is this the same car you showed me in the pictures? Are you sure about that? I, I think they did some special camera angles or maybe some uh, uh, airbrushing, the old day, old day term for uh, touching, photoshopping today. But uh, yeah, and plus there's people all over the country. If you're part of uh, forums and groups, you can even have people go, look, I've, I've had people call me and say, hey, there's a car in your area. Can you go look at it for me? And you know, you go and take a peek and call them and say, yeah, this is a steal or no, run away. This right. is the wrong thing. So, you know, the the collective wisdom of people on forums evaluating those cars, I'm, I'm, I, I imagine you follow uh, Bring a Trailer. Oh, uh, yes. The knowledge base of the commenters there is really impressive. It is. And, but there's also some folks there that you kind of roll your eyes and go, come on, really? <laughs> I mean, you're an armchair expert, you know. <laughs> From uh, from people's attitudes and the way they talk about things, but I think it's a it's a wonderful resource for people just to learn thing about cars. Just read the forum or the the copy down below. A car you can learn an awful lot about cars before you actually pull the trigger. And I've had lots of friends uh, who bought cars and been very happy with what they've ended up with. I think people that bring their cars there realize you're in front of a very strong group of peers. You need to be straightforward and honest, uh, or you're going to get called out pretty quickly. Completely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about an aha moment in your career, your life, whatever it might be. I'd like to say it's a time when those headlights come on and kind of illuminate a new path, maybe a pivot for you in your career, whatever it might be. But tell us about one of your aha moments. To some extent, I did when I talked about the idea of how I essentially came to trust myself as an expert. But I've not been an entrepreneur, but I had an opportunity here at Kiplinger to pivot to something that had always been in the back of my mind, like I'd read those car journalists like P.J. O'Rourke and David Davis, uh, LJK Setright, lots of these people when I was a kid were you know sort of very impressive to me. But I'd followed a, a non-car conventional career that had been expected of me. And I guess I was, to an extent, lucky and to be able to trust in myself enough to make the spin to doing, hey, I, you know what? Cars are something I can actually tackle and talk about, despite, as I said, being a liberal arts, Journalism personal age. finance yeah. kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, finance right? guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I, what I love about the story is you were able to do what this show is all about, and that's wrap your passion for automobiles into your career, because that's the secret sauce to life. Anything you're passionate about, if you can make a living doing that or be around people all the time that do that or involve that in your life in some way, boy, that makes every day worth getting up and so much more fun. So I'm glad you're able to uh, make that move. And plus, for Kiplinger to have that opportunity for you was great. Yes, things came together well. Absolutely. Well, let's have a little bit of fun. You talked about that Gia, but let's talk about your first really special car. I'm guessing there might be something else in your history than the 
the Gia that you learned a lot from, but maybe it wasn't so special. And maybe share a few memories you have about that special car. Sure. Well, I have actually not owned that many cars in my life, but I, I, I've obsessed about them uh, quite a few. It's bizarre how I can really mentally recall almost every panel, interior and exterior of my parents' 1970 Ford Fairlane 500. But that's not, <laughs> that's, that's not, that wasn't the special car. It's just I have it memorized. When I was a kid, my neighbors across the street bought a Mercedes 450 SEL. It was the big S class of the yes. 1970s. Mm-hmm. And this was, this was so different from the American cars my parents had owned. I mean, it had leather. It had real dead trees on the dashboard. It had <laughs> overhead camshafts, aluminum, fuel injection. I mean, I, I got a little obsessed with like looking it over and, you know, the neighbors are probably wondering how the heck all those nose smudges got on the glass. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I remember all these bizarre design, de- well, the, the design details aren't that bizarre, but they look so different. Like there were dual exhaust pipes, but one muffler. How did that work? I mm-hmm. The neighbor was a, not a nice guy. He was a Frenchman. He indulged my curiosity once by letting my father take it out on a drive with me along. Uh, you know, for the time, that was a, a darn fast car. And it oh, was, yeah. It was, it was funny to see my very buttoned down father like laughing as he stuck foot in it and it downshifted two gears. I mean, who ever heard of that? <laughs> it was right. Fancy oh, stuff. Yeah. Four gears, four forward gears with an automatic, of course. Well, those were, were tanks. I mean, those were pretty special cars. My next door neighbors, when I was a kid, bought the first 450 SL in the early to mid 70s when they first came out. And he let me detail that car, which led to many, many years of detailing cars for me in a little side business. But I love that 450 when he let me drive it because it just was so different. We had an Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser. And of course, compared to my Carmagia, that Mercedes was just, uh, it was something extra special. But the SEL was the extended version. They actually had some seats in the back, right? Well, that's the SLC. The SLC was the long wheelbase sports one. The SEL was the four-door big sedan. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. But the SL, and the SL had a little space behind the front seats. And uh, since no one really cared about safety too much, then I, I definitely remember Riding in that spot, <laughs> yeah. In no someone, belts. someone's mom who had a 450 SL, yeah. No seatbelts. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Kind of like that little cubby in the back of a Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, I was going to mention that. I, I this, I, I remember being in Europe with my family and having a rental one, and I rode in that little thing, and so it's sort of like the the, the boxer engine and the warmth <laughs> just lulled me to sleep. And you know, next thing you know, I was there, and they were waking me up out of the little, the little bin. <laughs> yes, when my uh, wife was a little girl, her she had three brothers and sisters, so she was uh, the little one. So she, that was her special seat, and she thought she was so special to have her special spot back there. Of course, nowadays, you know, you'd get pulled over for child endangerment, but those old cars didn't even have seatbelts in them, so I guess it didn't matter. But yeah, she loved that little spot. The sun would shine in, and the sound of the engine. Yeah, she she had the same experience you had, exactly the same. How about Solar's Remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned that you've let go that you wish you had back? Uh, well, it's another Mercedes. One of the few vehicles that my wife and I both covet <laughs> is a Mercedes diesel, uh, mm. specifically one of the W123 models. I, I used to call them the, the Beirut taxi cabs and specifically a wagon. Well, as it happened, I ended up as the caretaker of one of these for a year. It was a sedan, not a wagon, but it was in that taxi kind of tan yellow, uh, ran wonderfully. So. 
I mean, out of nothing but love for that car itself, I, I put a lot of elbow grease into primping it, the detailing that, you know, you mm-hmm. like to do too. Yeah. Um, well, then after, you know, just close to a year, it had to go back to its owner. Uh, the situation was weird. It was, it's literally like a Washington, D.C. story involving like media leaks and criminal prosecution. And I actually knew some of the people involved. <laughs> Well, within a few le- weeks of it leaving my hands, the, the owner damaged it. He put a big fat crease down every body panel on the left. And I was offered, he offered to give the car to me as thanks for my year of care. I said no. I, I had too much on my plate at the time. And, you know, presumably off to the crusher it went. And yeah, that's a mistake I think of every time I see one rattling by and of course i watched them on bring a trailer too where they can fetch some what astonishing amounts of money oh yeah yeah they're beautiful i've had several guests on the show uh roy spencer comes to mind and rj guys that resell those old classic mercedes benz and yeah their values have come back up and they're just the diesels especially are just they'll go forever I mean, they just go and go and go. I have a good friend, local friend here, Bill, who used to drive the 240D every day as a work car. And he had a wagon for a while, too. Those classic 80s cars. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just, they're just so nice. They were incredibly popular around here in the Washington, D.C. area. You know, I mean, Mercedes had sold so many of them because of fuel economy regs. But in the process, they sold this car with incredible reliability and in such a high build quality, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they were great. A lot of them are making a comeback, too. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I'd love for you to share more with our listeners, more about what you're doing there at Kiplinger, what they can expect when they go to Kiplinger, all the great services that you guys provide. So what has you excited and fired up? Well, we write about, you know, really consumer stuff, how to buy a car, which is a process I despise, by the way. But so that I think <laughs> that actually gives me a perspective and how to, well, our information is mostly consumer focused and you know it might be a little basic for i think a lot of you know the level of people that you've interviewed on your site but you know it's the sort of thing that they might hand off to people they know to help people who aren't car people make smarter decisions yes. about things like buying tires buying cars should i lease should i buy should i get this should i get that uh, what's the, you know, should I buy a used rental car? That's one of the things I wrote a good bit about. What I'm currently working on, the next sort of thing is I'm going to finally tackle electric cars. I, I don't have much firsthand experience. So my plan is to check one out of the media fleet and see what, you know, it's really like to daily drive an electric. And, uh, right. you know, maybe I'll take a, a longish uh, trip to experience some range anxiety. You know, <laughs> I, you I, have, I have a couple of friends who have Teslas. I have not pestered them to borrow them. I mean, I know it's an amazing car, but the Tesla Model S strikes me as that's not the electric future. That's an amazing car, but the big question is going to be the the mass market. Can you bring the cost down? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what sure. I'm looking at. Yeah, very, very cool. Well, I've had a couple interesting guests in the past. David Bernardo down in San Diego and Michael Bream, a local, or not local, uh, recent guest, I should say, but he's down in the uh, North County, San Diego area. They take electric motors and put them in classic cars, OVWs. Uh, I know they've done some Gias and VW Bugs and buses. Uh, Pretty cool. Uh, I know someone did a a Jaguar E-Type, which led to a lot of, which I've seen, I saw it go by on social media, Jaguar E-Type. It led to a lot of Lucas jokes, but. uh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, we won't go there Uh, for for a reason that uh, I want, I'm not even going to mention because uh, the, the ghost of, 
Dr. Lucas came back and blew my computer up once when I spoke ill of him. So I like you. Mr. Joseph Lucas, you're a nice guy. I'm not going to say anything bad about you. Well, it's very cool. And how can people uh, access Kiplinger? What are the the many ways they can find you guys? Uh, Kiplinger.com is uh, where you'll find most of my content. I also, we have Kiplinger's Personal Finance, uh, the magazine where I write as the drive time columnist and occasionally take on other things. But most of my most of my stuff is online, including what I'd like to consider my magnum opus, 15 cars that refuse to die. Well, the Mercedes, uh, that Mercedes diesel is one of them. There's mm-hmm. some other obvious choices and some less obvious choices. And it's that was a fun research project and a fun debate. And I still get a lot of people seeing it and arguing about it and contributing their own suggestions and relating their own experiences. Well, of course, there's a lot of us experts out there that are more than happy to share our opinions about things. So, Oh, yes. Well, I'll make sure I put a link if you're not uh, aware of Kiplinger. If you don't go there, uh, I'll link to that so you can check him out. I encourage you to check out what he's doing there. Absolutely fantastic. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, David. If you were a vehicle, what would you be and why? This reminds me of that conversation uh, opener where people ask you to be what kind of donut you would be. <laughs> now, I haven't heard that one. I've heard the tree. Yeah. Or oh. animal or bird, but donut. Wow, <laughs> donut. donut. Yeah. Okay. Coconut cake. Well, oh, co- food. For coconut cake donut from Frosty's in Brunswick, Maine. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. As a car, I'm old enough now to be thinking of longevity. So I, I, I don't want to burn out uh, my uh, camshaft after 50,000 miles like my parents' Pinto. And, <laughs> well, everyone wants to be high quality, right? They want to be interesting like uh, the Dos Equis guy. I think I'll pick the car I first bought new. It was a Saturn SL2. And I, I, you know, I was, I really bought into the Saturn story at that time. You know, this fully American new concept. It was the second generation of this car. So they'd fixed a few of the design flaws. So plastic body panels, it it was resilient. I like Mm -hmm. to be resilient. Um, It's a good quality, right? I owned it for 10 years. It only broke once, the alternator went. Uh, I was like having a Corolla. So I got reliable going for me. I'd like to be reliable. And um, since it was a clean slate design, it wasn't like they patched together a bunch of old GM stuff like a Cavalier or something. It was pretty much new. Uh, So it was ridiculously easy to work on. I really enjoyed working on that car. All the bolts were accessible. It was, you know, very simple. So maybe that as a human quality, I'm approachable. I like it. Well, very well thought out. And I think, David, you're the only Saturn on the show. So that makes you even more unique. So that's pretty cool. Well, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners. This is Mark Green. I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school, way back in 1975. But Covercraft has much more to offer than just vehicle covers. This time of year is very hard on your vehicle's interiors. Rain, snow, dirt, and mud gets into the carpet and the seats, grinding away and destroying the original materials. It's important to preserve and protect your special ride with Covercraft floor mats and seat covers. That's what I do. They offer a wide variety of styles, colors, and materials, all designed to fit like a glove. They're easy to install and provide for anchor points and airbags for safety and a perfect fit. Protecting your vehicle adds value when you go to sell it, too. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me, and your vehicle will thank you as well. 
That's Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hey, this is Mark Green. Are you interested in selling online and building a sustainable business? Bonanza is a marketplace platform that empowers you to create your dream business. Getting started at Bonanza is easy. You can start fresh or import your items from other marketplaces like Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or Shopify. Auto parts and accessories are a high-performance category at Bonanza, and there's no risk involved in signing up. There are no listing fees or monthly fees. You pay only when you make the sale. Bonanza listens to seller feedback and uses it to improve tools and build new features, so there are tons of customization options for sellers no matter what the size of your business. Be sure to sign up using the link bonanza.com slash cars yeah, and you'll receive a free consultation with Bonanza experts who make sure that you are on your way to generating sales. That's bonanza.com slash cars yeah. All right, David, we're back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, well, tires should be your only car's only point of contact with the road and anything else that's solid. So I guess the best bit of advice was don't ever skimp on tires. It's uh, a, a bit of advice that I, I follow and I preach. Absolutely. And keep the pressure set right, for goodness sake. Boy, I just see so many cars parked on like you can just tell they're down 10, 15, 20. I, as a, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a bicycle commuter and I see it all the time. And I used to, I do it less now because I know people have TPMS and I know they already sort of know. And like, I feel like they're a lost cause if they're just driving around with that darn light on. But <laughs> I used to really roll up alongside people and say, yo, your back left tire needs air. Yeah. 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 Well, especially if they're really low. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, sometimes people just give you the finger and look away. So it's like, well, sorry, (laughs) I just tried to save your life. Anyway, (laughs) go on. Just stay out of my way. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? I'm willing to put my hands on and try. Um, I know that most car people really are hands on and and that's a sort of a self-selecting group. But sometimes among my peers, the people who maybe want to tackle something with their cars, I see this hesitance to actually reach out and, and do the thing. And maybe to a fault, I'm like, well, let's try. And yep. <laughs> there's no substitute for, there's no, there's no substitute for messing with the tangible. Now about a resource, there are wonderful resources, including, of course, Kiplinger.com. But is there one you'd like to share with us? I'd like to share with you my resource, which is uh, me on Twitter. Hey. Uh, yeah. I, I'd like to think I'm funny. Uh, and it's, almost all about car stuff. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Davey Dog. All right, cool. Should I spell that? D-A-V-E-Y-D-O-G. There you go. I'll make sure also I list that on David's show notes page on the Cars Yacht website. Most fun. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Well, as I mentioned, my parents weren't really into the car thing. I had to develop that myself. In the first uh, magazine I subscribed to with my own darn money was Car and Driver. And they had a columnist who wrote for them and for flying named Gordon Baxter. Uh, He wrote wonderfully hilarious stories about driving, flying, and dogs. So that was pretty much a trifecta for me. I have a collection of his essays. I think he'd be a wonderful person to have a few beers with at his Texas uh, ranch house. But uh, unfortunately, he died about 13 years ago. Yeah, sounds like a marvelous guy for sure. 
Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners? It's not automotive. It does feature wheels, two of them. It's called The Rider. The Rider, like get on a bike and ride. Right, okay. Uh, by the author Tim Crabbe. It's about a five-hour bike race. It has so much more insights about competition, just as, mm-hmm. you know, automotive competition. And frankly, life itself is very enjoyable. Very cool. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these cool links that David has shared today on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in David Mulbaum, M-U-H-L-B-A-U-M is the spelling of his name, and that page will pop right up. All right, David, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question could be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm buying you any cool car on the planet. Money is not an issue, but there's a couple rules. It's the only collector car you can have. You've got to keep it, can't sell it, and you got to drive it. No garage queens here. So what's it going to be? Well, I think your rules are actually relatively lenient because what I sometimes get is, if you could only have one car, and then I think, oh, my God, it's got to drive around my dog, my bikes, my whatever, you know? like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, no, this is a fun car. No, this is a fun car. So, uh, so... I think I will take a Porsche 914 or 914-6. Oh. This ticks a lot of boxes for me. It's uh, it's uh, German and air-cooled, like the Carmen. It's mid-engine, and so it'll have that smell of the air-cooled VW Porsche era. It's, uh, you know, kind of a car from my youth, but it's not so ragingly look at me as, let's say, the Magnum-era Ferrari 308, which is... You know, maybe the other one. Um, <laughs> and since you're letting me go money, no object, I think I'd go for the really obscure race version, the 9146GT. Yeah, but well, I, I was, was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah. I want to keep tags on it. I want to keep it a street car. No, that's okay. You know, you can get it with the GT flares. Uh, and I was going to ask you that uh, because that makes that car look so much better. I mean, yeah, it just, maybe. yeah, it's cool. I had a 914 for a while, not a 6, unfortunately. But actually, it was a really fun car. It was a 2.0. Uh, a fun car. And what was interesting is when I would drive it, a lot of people, younger people, had no idea what it was. You just don't see many because they've kind of all rusted away. And they were kind of the poor man's Porsche. So the 911 owners kind of frowned down on them a little bit. So people didn't really take that good a care of them. But the six, and then with the GT flares and the right deep set Fuchs and uh, yeah, nice car. What color? Probably silver or yellow. And a tribute car would be fine because, as you said, this these these went through a whole lot of years where no one was paying them any mind. So I, I yeah. you know, let's assemble it, let's give it fuel injection, let's make it. Yeah, yeah, make it, it go. make it go for sure. Well, there's a lot of options there. Maybe throw like a 2.7 liter motor in that thing. Proud of an RS Carrera. Yeah, that'd be the way to go. Very cool. Well, David, you've taken us on a great ride today. Really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey and Kiplinger with our audience here. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the sunset towards the sunset in that 914.6 GT? In this field, in personal finance journalism, a lot of it is giving advice. And I think it's also fair to say that a lot of people don't like to be told what to do. They don't like to be made aware of their deficiencies. So tone matters. When you're a subject subject matter expert in any subject, you have to watch out for being a didact, you know, making or didactic, being making these big, well, you should do this or that pronouncements. So I always try to keep in mind where my audience is coming from, that they want actionable advice, that they're maybe not car nuts, and to give them stuff that will help them save money. I, at the same time, deliver it in a way that shows that I know what I'm talking about, 
without showing off. That's the, that's the balance. Keeping the balance. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and Kiplinger? Kiplinger.com. Very easy. And of course, that uh, Twitter handle again? Davy Dog. Davy Dog. Very Davey nice. Dog. I was, I, I was a very early uh, Twitter user, and it was kind of just, they were all available. You could make up whatever you want, and I didn't put too much uh, thought into it. But here I am now. Well, there you go. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Davy Dog has shared with us today. On his Cars Yeah show notes page, just type David Amolbaum into the search bar and his page will pop right up. David, thanks for dialing in today, for being so generous with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with Cars Yeah audience. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much, Mark. It's been a pleasure talking to you. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.